I think if you step back, uh, we are all sort of addicted to Midwestern nice and Hoosier kindness. There really hasn't been any inflammatory words said. I mean, they're kind of shooting back and forth, but these are two of the most polite people uh, that exist. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Indiana in the spotlight this weekend when it comes to presidential politics. Bernie Sanders in the Hoosier State yesterday. And later today, Pete Buttigieg is expected to make it official, announcing a run for president in 2020. We'll be there to cover his announcement later today. And this morning, we're taking a closer look at what Hoosiers are saying about this latest back and forth with the vice president and about the mayor's sudden surge in the polls in recent weeks now in third place in the latest poll out of Iowa. But can he keep that momentum and move past more experienced candidates? And how will he handle the glare of still more national attention? And it's time for a new generation of leadership in our country. There's something happening right now that calls for something completely different than what we've been seeing. Generationally different, regionally different, somebody with a different life story and a different background. The wider the field, I think the more it favors underdogs and newcomers. And uh, I'm very aware that I am both of those things. That was Mayor Buttigieg speaking with us one-on-one -on -one last time we traveled to South Bend. I will be there later today. So will my colleague Adam Wren, a contributing editor for Politico and Indianapolis Monthly and author of the Importantville newsletter on Indiana, Indiana politics. You sat down with Mayor Buttigieg recently. What does this moment later today mean for a candidate who's risen from relative obscurity here on the national stage to now apparently be one of the leading Democrats in this race? It's a, it's a remarkable rise, Dan. If you think about it, nine years ago this month, in 2010, uh, Pete Buttigieg announced his very first political campaign ever for state treasurer uh, in South Bend um, at uh, Dingus Day, a uh, Polish holiday there. And it's just fascinating. Over nine years now, he's running for the president, um, having won only one uh, part of one county in Indiana. And a lot's actually been made of that 2010 race against Richard Murdoch in, in national news circles this week. Uh, obviously, the mayor uh, on the national stage, a lot of people wondering uh, if he can keep the momentum going if someone as a mayor can make that leap to run for president. Yeah, he's getting that question a lot on the campaign trail in New Hampshire last week. Reporters are asking, what are you going to do to keep this momentum going? He expects to announce some policies in May, uh, but each month he's really had to, he's really tried to have one big event. So getting 65,000 donors, uh, the CNN town hall, announcing the exploratory committee to keep that pace going. So he's really, he's a runner in real life, but he's really trying to keep that pace going on the campaign trail as well. Of course, well. a lot of headlines uh, this week involving Mayor Pete and Vice President Mike Pence as South Bend uh, prepares for the mayor's big announcement later today. In South Bend, American flags line the streets ahead of the mayor's big announcement this weekend, just days after these remarks in Washington, D.C., taking aim at Vice President Pence for his stance on gay marriage. My marriage to Chaston has made me a better man. And yes, Mr. Vice President, it has moved me closer to God. In an interview this week, Vice President Pence said he worked closely with the mayor when he served as governor. I considered him a friend. Um, and uh, he knows I don't have a problem with him. I, I don't believe in discrimination against anybody. I, I treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. Indiana Republicans put out an email this week saying, quote, our vice president is under attack. I've known Pete for years. I'm, I'm not surprised that he's getting the type of attention that he's getting. That, that being said, 
Pete is taking the bait that so many of these Democrat candidates are taking from the to, to attract the left-wing base of the Democrat Party and shifting so far to the left that he doesn't resemble the type of, le of leader that I know as mayor of South Bend. Buttigieg has been surging in the polls in early voting states like Iowa and New Hampshire. And in South Bend, many locals know this weekend's announcement is a historic moment for their hometown. It's going to be exciting. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Wherever the mayor goes, he's talking about how the South Bend has, is coming back as a new spirit. It's the Chamber of Commerce couldn't possibly have spent enough money to achieve that kind of publicity nationwide. Ranking third in one of the polls in, in Iowa and raising seven million dollars and this book becoming a bestseller. I, I don't think uh, I don't think they expected to reach that plateau quite yet. And, of course, that feud with the VP this week making a lot of headlines. Tuesday, Mayor Buttigieg tweeted, people will often be polite to you in person while advancing policies that harm you and your family. You'll be polite to them in turn, but you need not stand for such harms. You push back, honestly and emphatically, so it goes in the public square. The Indiana GOP reacting to the remarks from Buttigieg saying the record is clear. Vice President Mike Pence has said nothing but kind things to Pete Buttigieg. So as Republicans, Adam in Indiana and nationally, push back here against Buttigieg, all of this really kind of reaching a fever pitch this week. Yeah, I talked to one Republican on Friday um, here in Indiana who told me that there's some concern in the Holcomb circle that if Buttigieg is unsuccessful in his bid, he could turn around and come back and run for governor and raise a lot of money against Eric Holcomb. So I think the Indiana GOP see him as, as a threat. And really this week on the national scene, he sort of arrived um, on the radar of, of Vice President Pence. Uh, Pence really kind of is a disciplined person and he doesn't really comment on the ongoing issues of the day like this. So it's interesting. Are you surprised to see him. he did? Uh, yeah, I, I was case. surprised. Um, you know, uh, Karen Pence earlier in the week, she the, did as well. the, yeah. the, the first, second lady um, responded. But it's fascinating to watch this. I mean, I think it really marks his arrival on the scene as a serious contender. And obviously dates back to a lot of the conversation about RIFRA in this state. And uh, coming up later, we'll talk a little bit more about the Studebaker facility where this event is being held and why the Indiana GOP also uh, pushed back somewhat on that location this week and the significance of that location. Let's also talk about these fundraising figures real quick. Buttigieg brought in $7 million, outraising names like Cory Booker, but still trailing some bigger names like Bernie Sanders, who was here in Indiana yesterday. That's right. And if you look at the number of actual individual donors who have contributed to Pete, it's it's more than you know people like Kamala Harris. And he has a lower figure, um, I think roughly $42 is his average contribution. So he's getting a small dollar uh, boost from people. And really, before he began the campaign, uh, his campaign manager, Mike Schmuel, told me that was really their biggest concern, is whether or not they could fundraise, and he's crossed that first hurdle in the first quarter of this year. Okay, we will be there in South Bend later today for coverage of uh, the mayor's announcement. Coming up next, the latest on the Mueller report. Will we see it in the coming days? And Indiana Democrats calling for an investigation into Governor Holcomb and this casino controversy involving flights with casino executives. And big plans for Bankers Life Fieldhouse, all part of the CIB bill making its way through the Statehouse. And now there's a deal to keep the Pacers here in Indy. We'll have the latest next.
back now along with the rest of our panel with us today, 2016 Vice Chair for the Indiana Trump Campaign, Tony Samuel, and former Communications Director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. Big day for the mayor of South Bend, who appears to be at this stage a formidable candidate in this very crowded field. Bernie Sanders, of course, also in Indiana this weekend. Joe Biden still in the lead in the polls, despite some of his troubles. Uh, can Mayor Pete keep some of the momentum that he has been seeing, and what do you think we'll hear from him later today? Well, I absolutely do think he can keep the momentum up. I think he's 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 a long way from cresting. I don't think he will. I think he's just picking up steam. I think people are ready for his brand of leadership. He still faces a huge, huge hill ahead in terms of you know really breaking through that top tier. But he's on his way, and I'm really excited about it. Where do opponents, uh, potential opponents? Where do they start to try and pick apart uh, Buttigieg's candidacy? Is it the experience question? Is it other factors? It's the experience question. He doesn't have a lot of it. It's the crime rate, maybe, in, in South Bend. Um, I think experience. And I think the, the, the worst part and the thing that's going to backfire on him is what he's doing to gain even more momentum to take it to the next level. And that's attacked the vice president for no good reason. They've worked together. Uh, they've both said they're friends in the past and, and treated each other like that. And now that he's uh, on the national stage trying to take that next step, he's doing the same thing that Democrats have done all along to President Trump, only now he's picking on uh, the vice president. There's just no need for it. And that will turn off uh, Hoosiers and Americans. Let's talk about that tension with the vice president, certainly getting a lot of national attention this week in the New York Times. Uh, this article here this week, Pete Buttigieg, gay and Christian challenges religious right on their own turf. The article described the vice president as, quote, miffed. Meantime, a lot being made on the venue for today's announcement. State GOP Chair Kyle Huffer putting out this statement saying after weeks of slinging mud at the vice president, Pete Buttigieg picked a location that's very revitalization was made possible because of support and state funding championed by then Governor Pence. A lot of back and forth here ahead of today's announcement in South Bend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear later today how Pete Buttigieg handles the question. Um, he did work with Governor Pence on the regional cities, um, and at the time it wasn't a hugely popular initiative in the legislature, but Pete worked with him. It'll be interesting to see if he acknowledges that Pence pay, played a role in that, um, and that he's willing to work with Republicans when he sees an opportunity. To and Jennifer, so. you were a part of the Freedom Indiana campaign in the, in the big fight in 2015, obviously as well, RIFRA. Uh, what do you make of all of this kind of uh, coming back to the surface here again with Mayor Pete and the Vice President? Well, I think, you know, I think it's important that, that Mayor Pete, I mean, obviously acknowledges and, and embraces who he is. And I think it's worth, I, I disagree with Tony, it is worth bringing up that Mike Pence put our state in the middle of that mess. Now he's Vice President. He almost probably didn't get to be governor again because of that mess he created. You know, it's, it's okay to have that back and forth. It's okay to say, you know, my, your beef with me is not with me, it's with my creator. I think that's an important dialogue to have, and I don't think that's divisive. The reason it's divisive is the vice president doesn't have a beef with Pete Buttigieg. The vice president's pretty busy being vice president and doing a great job at it. Pete Buttigieg, the problem here is that he needs to compete with all these others that are uh, fighting for who's the most on the left and this is his strategy. The problem is you're going to see more of this from Pete Buttigieg. I don't think this is just a, 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 a one phase. He's going to use this attack the vice president. It's going to backfire. To, to it's be honest, backfire. 20, wait, hang on. Like in 2016, your guy, who's now the president, was on the stage picking off primary opponents one at a time. That attacked him person. first. That attacked him first, and that's what he's so known for. That that's one, what he's great at. He would never have. 
uh, hit those guys unless he was attacked first because he had other things to talk about, the issues, the policies that he was forwarding uh, during the campaign that he's now implementing as president. I don't remember that being yeah. a tremendously policy-forward debate. Oh, yeah. There was so, I was part of the campaign. He had all kinds There's of... There's a lot of consensus. Yeah. I mean, two quick things. Yeah. Um, uh, president Trump has had far more caustic things to say about Mike Pence's LGBTQ record reportedly than uh, Mayor Pete has. Um, secondly, uh, what's fascinating to me is that um, Mayor Pete has made these same remarks um, months ago. Um, th this almost the same line. They're just now starting um, to get more. But just now, attention. this week, yeah. the vice president is responding. So I think really what you can take away from that is they see him as a threat. I don't think they see him as a threat at all, and shouldn't. Uh, the vice president was asked a question, so he responded. And it is worth it to point out that they have had a good working relationship. This is very disingenuous of Pete Buttigieg to turn on that. Their working relationship passing that regional cities initiative was after the RIFRA event. So it didn't matter to Buttigieg then, but now he's using it as a campaign strategy. It will backfire on him. It's we'll just a matter of time. More on our podcast as well. The mayor responding in an interview on Ellen this week saying wasn't attacking his faith, but his policies. Uh, and his positions. All right, so many political headlines this week, more controversy on the topic of immigration, and also we could be days away from Attorney General William Barr's release of a redacted Mueller report. Barr made that statement during a hearing before Congress, but in a potential bombshell, also says he's looking into whether the intelligence agencies improperly spied on the Trump campaign. You had the Assange news, a lot of developments this week in D.C., a lot of different views about what it all means. As, as there always are when we get here yeah. together on, on Sundays. And you had Jim Comey coming out and saying, you know, obviously, you know, I think Trump's a bigger threat than Russia or these intelligence agencies. We were just doing our job. Who knows? I really, really hope that the entire report comes out, that we all get to see what was in there, what they found, so we can lay this to rest. And I'm sure Tony would agree with me, right? Well, I'll say that I know, and what I know is what I've been saying on the show, that this, uh, this uh, farce of uh, uh, investigation uh, was a scam on the American people. And what will come out, not just I th possibly in, in the report, but even more so in the Michael Horowitz Inspector General investigation that's going to come out in May or June, uh, and it's going to show that this originated from people that were uh, out to get the president and... Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of charges. We'll see where it all goes from here. Got to get to some state house headlines as well. Indiana Democrats demanding an investigation into Governor Holcomb. This after reports that Holcomb took a private jet to two political events without disclosing it as campaign activity. The Indy Star reporting a casino executive treated the governor to the flights while he was pushing for gambling proposals that would benefit his business. Holcomb's campaign has said the flights didn't need to be disclosed because Holcomb didn't directly benefit. But Zodi says. Reports indicate on the same day as the trips, thousands of dollars in contributions were made to the governor's campaign in the Indiana Republican Party. The Indiana GOP issued a statement saying, quote, the flights were legal and customary, calling it frivolous and politically motivated. Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill accused of violating the state's records laws. He's being questioned about his use of a personal email address for public business. That's not against state law, but it is against state records law to withhold that email address from the public. According to our partners at the Star, that's what Hill is doing. Also this past week, an ethics committee looked into complaints over the use of his name and photo on his official social media accounts. Separately, he's also facing allegations of groping that have led leaders of his own party to call for his resignation. Meantime, this past week, the House Ethics Committee dismissed a complaint against House Speaker Brian Bosma, who was accused of using campaign funds to collect unflattering information about a former intern who claimed she had a consensual sexual encounter with Bosma in the 90s. Bosma 
denies those claims. And also at the State House, the Speaker and others reacting to the Senate Republican budget plan. It's a two-year, $34.6 billion budget proposal. Let's take a look at some of the details here. It includes almost $15 billion for schools, but nothing specific to raise teacher pay. Also allocating $243 million for DCS, less than the governor had promised. Senate Democrats proposed two amendments to the budget that were voted down, including a new educator grant that would have given a 5% salary increase to teachers and staff. If we don't get our education right from kindergarten up through 12th grade, then we've got lots of other problems that begin to manifest themselves. So I think this budget shows that that's our highest priority, and it certainly is. So still, Republicans in the House aren't sure about a couple of items in the Senate budget. Thursday, we caught up with Speaker Bosma. Also a little concerned about the uh, possible use of gas tax money for uh, DCS uh, supplementation. I don't. We made a promise on that. Those funds that uh, they would go in there, stay in there, only be used other than an emergency for uh, for roads. So we'll have to have discussion about that. Uh, a few of our education issues were were not where we wanted them, but it's okay. We're, we'll have good faith discussions with all parties. Uh, including the governor. We'll try to find, uh, get to yes and uh, great, get a great state budget. All right, we'll also get the state's revenue forecast next week, which will play a big factor in these budget talks. The speaker thinks it's possible revenues could be flat or down, which means less money to go around overall. Of course, they have two weeks or less to come to a deal here before the session ends, guys. Definitely getting to be crunch time. Much time for us, too. We're running out of time, so we'll talk about more of that on our podcast. Now, that whole segment can be boiled down to keep your hands to yourself, pay for your own stuff, and who knows what's going to come out in the next two weeks. And, and who knows when they'll get out of session, too, with the NRA coming here. We'll talk about it all in conference committee on our podcast, right? Up next, more debate over downtown Indy's future, why these hotels are now out of the latest proposal at the State House. I think it's an outstanding agreement for the city. Mayor Halkset talking about the deal with the Pacers to keep the team here for the next 25 years. Of course, they play later today in the playoffs, but one day this could be the new look for the Fieldhouse. This deal all part of a pretty big piece of legislation at the State House involving the Capital Improvement Board. And while that legislation will not include a couple of new hotels that had been proposed, it could pave the way for a new soccer stadium in Indy. Zach Myers has more. Among those changes to the CIB bill, one of them addressed concerns and criticisms from several downtown hotel owners, and another seems to remove a barrier to the Indy 11 getting that new soccer stadium. The Indy 11 will not have to join Major League Soccer within three years in order to collect tax money for a new $150 million stadium. That's after an amendment to Senate Bill 7 in the House Ways and Means Committee. It's uh, the latest step in the momentum that we've created towards this uh, new neighborhood transformational development. The new language only requires the Indy 11 to be a professional soccer team, which they already are as part of the United Soccer League. Team President Greg Stremlaw says excitement is building at the prospect of getting their own facility. The ability to set our own schedule, uh, natural grass, uh, playing in a soccer-specific state-of-the-art uh, world-class facility, that's very meaningful to our players, to our fans, our coaches, and of course our front office. The bill allows the Capital Improvement Board to collect additional tax dollars year by year, as seen in this bar graph. Eventually, getting up to $18 million a year. 
The amendment also keeps the CIB from using tax money to help pay for two new hotels as part of the convention center expansion or collecting tax money from the new hotels for other projects, like upgrades to Bankers Life Fieldhouse and a deal to keep the Pacers in town for 25 more years. Hotel owners called the change, quote, a step forward and helped safeguard tax dollars from subsidizing a reckless flood of new downtown hotel rooms without substantial and meaningful increased demand in less than five years. Some of our largest uh, convention customers, such as Gen Con, FFA, and others who bring 60,000 and more people per convention, have told us very pointedly, we do need more hotel rooms and we do need more convention space. We love this town. We want to stay in this city. We've committed to saying that we'll be here till 2028, and it's all contingent upon the rooms. If I don't get the rooms, I'm going to have to move it. All right, so that's where things are on that bill. Zach Meyer's reporting. I know you had hoped to see, said you'd hope to see those hotels. Yeah, I love downtown. I love that we're, you know, continuing to keep downtown any vibrant by keeping the Pacers here, but I really worry about losing these conventions, and I'm really kind of in love with the new Hilton concept. How about uh, the soccer deal, uh, the Indy 11 in a new stadium? Yeah, I mean, this is a club that launched in 2013. Um, Ursel Ozdemir, the owner, has been on a six-year uh, lobbying uh, push to get this done. Uh, just last January, he told me that, he, depending on what side of the bed he woke up on, he was thinking about folding the club. So sort of a remarkable recovery in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and a long way to go still here in the last couple of weeks at the State House. We'll be back with this week's winners and losers right up to this. All right, Adam, you're up first as we wrap it up with this week's winners and losers. Uh, Dan Winner is the city of South Bend for the attention it will receive from national reporters later today. Uh, loser, that rare nexus of Pete Buttigieg and Masters fans. Yeah, as we just mentioned, happening at the same time, right? Tony. Well, I'm not going to pick a loser this week because I can't pronounce his name correctly. Oh. <laughs> but I will pick uh, Vice President Mike Pence as my winner. He's conducting himself uh, brilliantly throughout these attacks, and he always does, and he's doing a great job helping to lead this country. My winner has to be Mayor Pete, and also uh, the city of Indianapolis and the uh, school my children attend, St. Richard's uh, Episcopal School, welcoming uh, a group of French students here for the next two weeks to our beautiful city. Very cool. We welcome them as well. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. We'll see you again next week here on In Focus. Time to talk more on our podcast here with Jennifer Wagner, Tony Samuel, Adam Wren. Just checking for the very latest sorry, updates uh, from the campaign trail. <laughs> uh, we'll be up there in South Bend, um, obviously, for the big announcement here. Th this is, as we discussed uh, in our panel segment on the broadcast, pretty intense back and forth this week between the vice president and, and Mayor Buttigieg uh, making headlines on national news this week, on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, how will this dynamic continue to play out here? Well, I think if the vice president keeps responding, then it's going to keep being a thing. You know, it's, uh, it is an issue, as we said on the show. Tony disagrees, but, you know, Mike Pence, when he was governor, picked a fight with the LGBT community in the state of Indiana. It almost ended very badly for his political career. It ended very badly for the state of Indiana in the national uh, eye. And so it's fair game. And it's also a lot nicer than anything that happened in 2016 on that Republican primary stage. We, we joked a couple weeks ago, by the way, that uh, it would be quite a VP debate between Mike Pence and Pete Buttigieg. And it's almost as if that debate is already playing out in front of our eyes right now. Yeah, he, he might get picked as, as the VP. I don't think he'll uh, be the nominee. Um, and I think, as I've said before, there'll be folks 
rising and falling, and, and uh, the, the Republican primary in 2012 is a good example of that. Um, the shame here is that uh, you're going back to something that's been debated, it's, you know, it had its time, RIFRA I'm talking about. Why can't you just look to the future? That's what people want to hear about your plans and how you're going to run the country, what your issues are, and not rely on these kind of attacks. I don't think it's uh, that intense, and I wouldn't call it a fight, because you've just got Pence, you know, uh, explaining his position and how he views them as having a good working relationship, friends, he called him a friend. He's not fighting, he's not fighting back, he's just saying a little bit that needs to be said and he's got plenty of other things to worry about, let me tell you. What's the, what's the mayor's campaign uh, saying about all this? What do you think the mood is about this particular um, back and forth, whatever you want to call it, being such a big focus this week. You know, I think they would, um, they have said, you know, to me that this is really nothing new. Um, Pete Buttigieg has, has, has used this line about a quarrel with his creator before, uh, I think a couple of months ago. Um, I think putting it in context, I, I agree uh, with Tony, actually. I think if you step back, uh, we are all sort of addicted to Midwestern nice and Hoosier kindness. There really hasn't been any inflammatory words said. I mean, they're kind of shooting back and forth, but these are two of the the most polite people uh, in politics. that exist. Bless, bless their yeah. hearts. Yeah. 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 Bless their yeah. hearts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, nonetheless, for Indiana politics, this, you know, it's is getting, a bit of a skirmish. It's getting tough. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's why uh, Mayor Pete hasn't attacked uh, uh, as intensely, I don't know if he has at all, the president. You're right. A lot yeah. of focus on the vice president. The president will yeah. just swat him away and he'll be done with it. Although yeah. I can guarantee you one of the lines that um, Pete Buttigieg will say later today in uh, the Studebaker factory is that um, there's no honest politics that revolves around the word again. Um, which he's is, used that line he, on the campaign He's used that line on the campaign yeah. trail a lot. Um, and it really, one, um, speaks to how he would argue that uh, the city of South Bend transformed, how the Studebaker facility transformed um, from a manufacturing place to a technology center. And it's also sort of as close as he gets to Tony's point uh, to criticizing the president, referencing his campaign slogan of Make America Great. The Studebaker Center, as we said, in and of itself, part of the conversation this week with the Indiana GOP pushing back and saying, yeah, that was a big part of the transformation of South Bend because of Governor Pence's regional right, cities yeah. initiative, in which, ironically, the two of them worked uh, together. Um, but we should also talk about the weather because we love talking about that right. uh, here in our studios and the Studebaker Center being the location because it's going to rain a lot in South Bend. At least that's the forecast for Sunday. Uh, what do you think of the just the optics, right? Taking an event in out of the rain. Uh, the Buddha Judge campaign did send out an email saying we'd love for that uh, to see that hero shot of Pete in the rain, but we don't want all our supporters to have to deal with the weather. Yeah, I mean. You can criticize that. You can criticize the location, as Chairman Hupfer did. At the end of the day, that's all we're finding fault with right now. I feel pretty good about Mayor Pete's chances if that's what we're going to pick, pick a fight over his location and the weather, which is beyond his control. Yeah, inside, outside, what are the, you know, campaign yeah, optics? Yeah, you know, this, I think uh, it'll say. be interesting to watch. Uh, this is a pretty small ragtag team that he has around him right now. Um, his high school friend is managing his campaign. Uh, granted, he's, you know, he's, he was one of the hottest campaign managers in the country ahead of 2020. Uh, but still, this is a pretty tight operation. They're and still looking to staff That's up, right. right? They're, yeah. they're, they think that in the next couple of weeks, they'll be at 40. Uh, they told me last week that they've received 5,000 resumes from across the United States. Um, so, you know, the last-minute move uh, is fascinating, too, because of the optics. Um, 
you can't fit a ton of people um, in, in that place. So uh, in terms of expectations, they're sort of, you know, if they would have a low turnout, they're sort of forestalling that, I think, as well. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And obviously sitting here waiting uh, to see who the nominee will be is the Trump campaign. Um, Biden, Sanders, Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren seem to be the top five right now in the polls. 20 or over 20 now. But and yeah, with total more, to, with more to come. Yeah, there could be about 20 candidates. I, I've said, I think, on the show before, and uh, was you know, telling some uh, folks uh, this week that uh, I, I think Eric Holder, at some point, timing it right, is going to get in. And I think that's going to be the person to watch. Interesting. All right, State House News. Um, we ran through a lot of headlines there. Uh, what stood out to you guys this week in, in terms of all the, all the headlines as they, they talk about the budget um, and, and other stories that have been making news here in Indiana the yeah. last few days? The CIB, that's interesting to watch, obviously, because it needs State House approval. The budget, it's anyone's guess at this point. I mean, people who think they know what's coming out in the wash, you know, God bless them. They should be hired guns and getting paid a lot of money. Um, you know, interestingly enough, there are a couple things. Uh, the the casino bill amendment is interesting. It was a bit of a rebuke to the governor, which is, I mean, it was a, that was a pretty strong showing among the GOP. And also on the clean energy front, there was a uh, rollback of a moratorium on um, new uh, utility plants that was also, uh, I think Matt Pierce, the Bloomington Democrat right. who authored it, was a little bit surprised to see that it passed. Yeah, Pat Bauer offered an amendment that passed uh, dealing with that whole uh, casino controversy, Governor Holcomb. I know that's something you watch closely as someone who works with the casino industry. I, I do watch closely. There's a lot of different interests. Um, in the beginning, everybody, most of them, thought they were going to get something that they wanted. Bill came over from the Senate to the House. Uh, it's been changed quite a bit. So now you've got uh, folks that are uh, uh, looking to go on the attack any way that they can to tear down some of the other interests. That's what we're seeing here playing out on the House floor and in the media. It's a shame uh, that things work out that way, but they do this as politics. Uh, I will um, also uh, mention uh, what Jennifer was speaking to, the, the moratorium on energy, uh, new energy plants and, uh, and power purchase agreements between. We talked about that last week a bit mm -hmm. as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it was fascinating to see uh, this amendment by Matt Pierce, who's very smart, um, but, you know, in the minority and usually doesn't, you know, he does this kind of thing all the time, but he usually never wins. And usually this kind of vote would have been along a party line votes, but you had 22 Republicans joining 31 uh, Democrats and, and getting 53 votes uh, and passing his amendment, killing the moratorium that would have stopped uh, a new plant construction, which would result in lower energy costs for folks. So yet a lot of people lined up against this moratorium and, and still are watching to make sure it doesn't uh, come back soon. Yeah. Not everything's always along party lines at the State House, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Particularly, I guess, sometimes on those gaming issues. That tends yeah. to be more of a regional issue for yeah. some lawmakers. Uh, this story involving Governor Holcomb, a controversy that will blow over quickly, do you think, or one that could have some staying power? You know, it might have some staying power. It, it seems to me that Holcomb, despite his high approval ratings and the, the war chest that he's assembled for 2020, has had a bit of a rough session in terms of uh, the political capital that he expended at the beginning, uh, asking for hate crimes bill, 
getting uh, Republicans in the state house sort of in, in the middle of that fight, uh, coming up short this week, and then coming up short on the hate crimes bill from, from what he asked for, um, he's sort of moving into the summer, um, I think, in a weaker political position than he would prefer. And we'll see how that plays out in the budget talks when you have right. a House plan, a Senate plan, and the governor's budget proposal and how those all kind of meld together here in the final days. And we're also waiting to see when the session actually will end because they need to get out. We were talking about hotel rooms. Right. They need to get out, get the lawmakers out of downtown before the NRA comes in because there aren't any hotel rooms for the lawmakers to stay in. Uh, Speaker Bosman was talking about that this week, saying the session uh, might end next Wednesday or Thursday, just in time before the NRA, or they might kind of take a pause and, and go home Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> and come back to finish it next Monday, which is their last constitutional day after the NRA is is out of They'll time. figure out a reason to have I a hope. special session. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Special, oh boy, yeah. special yeah. session. Yeah. That was Let's get throwing around yeah. some really dangerous Tomorrow. words here. Yeah. All right, guys, thank All right. you so much. Great to be with you here this week. We'll see you again next Sunday in focus.